Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. I'm Carl Mack, and this is Combat Chronicles. We're going to be talking exclusively today about the culmination of a great boxing trilogy. I'm sure you might be thinking, well, one championship at a big event this weekend. Uh, we've had some really interesting fights on the UFC Fight Night card, and you haven't podcasted for a couple of weeks, so there's Bellator to talk about, uh, more UFC to talk about. Um, nothing great in that regard, but um, why are you only talking about boxing? Well, at the end of the day, we had... The third fight between two great fighters, a fight we've all wanted to see last night, and those fighters deserve their shine. So without further ado, I'm going to talk more about the Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora. No, of course I'm not. I don't give a fuck about that. I'm not even going to give Tyson Fury valuable seconds of this podcast. No more after this joke, anyway. Um, of course, I'm referring to the third fight between Juan Francisco Estrada and Roman Gonzalez. For those that are already uh, aware of these fighters and have followed their careers, I'm sorry if I go over some stuff you already know, but um, I'm actually going to tell the story of both of these fighters' careers in order to tell the story of this trilogy and therefore tell the story of the fight that happened last night. Uh, I think it's rare that we get to see three bouts between two uh, such fantastic operators. and These two have been perpetually ranked in the top ten boxing pound for pound for about a decade now. And... I think by telling the story of their other fights, you can really see why these guys are so well matched. And I don't think it's the end by any means. They both look fantastic in this fight for, for long stretches. I could see a fourth fight between them. I could see a fourth fight that won't sour the trilogy, much like the fourth fight between Israel Vasquez and Rafael Marquez did. I could see a fourth fight that could elevate it further, much like the fourth bout between Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez. This trilogy is fantastic. The skill set uh, displayed by both fighters is just next level uh, for different reasons, but I'm sure we'll explore that as I go through their careers. I'm just going to go sort of off the dome and talk about what these fighters mean to me and what these fights mean to me. And I'm going to start with Roman Gonzalez because he was notable first. My story with Roman Gonzalez starts 14 years ago and... Um, it's not like today where I can look down the everyone's rankings nice and easy online and uh, sort of go, oh, that looks interesting. A fighter that's you know, 15 and 0 with 12 knockouts or whatever and go, I'll go on YouTube and have a look at them. It wasn't like that back then. We still tape trading, DVDs online, that sort of stuff. Um, and even though we we're on the forums, even at that point, uh, chatting about boxing, everyone sharing information, Gonzalez was not on my radar. 
And the guy he beat for the uh, WBA minimal weight title, 105 pounds, Yutaka Nida, he was on my radar, I knew about him, he, he defended the title more than once. Don't think I'd seen him at that point. But I was flicking through Boxing News, which was a magazine that I read religiously from about, I don't know, 2007 to 2000, I guess, 13. Um, because it was a great way to get Boxing News, you know, literally what the title said. And then at the back, there was they just cover every every event going. At that point, I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, I was younger, smoked a lot of weed, and I just basically read every issue back to front more than once every week. And I'd get to the shop every Friday, you know, lunchtime, because it was released on Fridays, and genuinely be excited to get the boxing news. Um, he would preview the big weekend's fights, tell you about what happened the week before, there was news, there was op-eds, and there was coverage of fights all around the world. And there was a very small... I'd love to find it because my recollections of it are probably different now. But it's a very small little piece saying that this undefeated uh, Nicaraguan fighter, who was uh, you know twenty-one and 19 knockouts, whatever it was, and a, he was like a teenager um, or like really young, had beaten Nida for the title. And I thought, fucking hell, he sounds good. Um, you know, looked online, DVD, traders, whatever. I didn't see it. It's on YouTube. Found on YouTube, probably made a couple of weeks after. Broken up into parts, even though it was only like a what, four round destruction. And was just completely taken with how fantastic this guy looked. And uh, look, willing to admit, completely willing to admit, that at that point in my life, something like 21 and 0 and 19 knockouts really got me excited. And I thought, God, this guy's going to be an all time great. Look at him, he's amazing. Probably the best straw weight since Ricardo Lopez. Easy to be sold when you see something like that, the record, the age, and then you see a performance like that. Because if you haven't seen that fight, you should check out Gonzalez versus Nida. There's plenty of recommendations coming from this podcast, trust me. But you watch that and you go, oh my God, this guy's going to be an all-time great. Most of the time, when you're young and you see fighters that have got glossy little records with loads of KOs um, beating a veteran champion, you're wrong. You're sold on good matchmaking, between fighters at different points in their careers. You know, I'm sure we all got... I didn't, I'm happy to say, but I'm sure a lot of us got embroiled in the Adrian Broner hype, for instance. A lot of knockouts. A lot of names we recognised. Multiple weight-class champion. All bollocks, all bluster, all hype, you know. He's a decent fighter, that's it. But Gonzalez, I felt something. Actually... In a broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing at that age, because I wasn't, you know, as well versed in boxing as I am now, in my opinion. You know, certainly it's true that I'm not as well versed in boxing as I am now. But whether I'm actually well versed in boxing, that is a is a matter of uh, subjectivity. I'm sure your tolerance will vary. Um, but I was right, and Gonzalez went off, you know, strength to strength essentially, and it's just gone on to mass a fucking unbelievable. Resume, you know, Chango Vargas, that's a great one if you haven't seen that. Gonzalez versus Chango Vargas, really close fight. Takiyama, Francisco Rodriguez, Akira Yagashi, Brian Valoria, Edgar Soso, been on a great run at the time. Uh, Mick Williams Arroyo, he's world amateur champion, massive puncher. Carlos Quadras, Cal Yafai, Julio Cesar Martinez. You'll notice that I've skipped around in Gonzalez's career a little bit there because I'm going to go to more notable moments in a second. 
Um, but, you know, Gonzalez, at his peak, prior to a fight I've skipped, was seen as probably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and rightly so. Champion at 108, uh, sorry, 105, 108, 112 and 115. Um, unlike now, anyway, who's kind of skipped the division, maybe didn't really fight that great opposition, Gonzalez was fighting really good guys. Guys that had a lot of clout in sort of uh, sort of boxing forum circles, fighters that people rated, fighters that have proven themselves over a number of years. A, v- a versatile list of stylists as well. That's important. If you've ever seen Gonzalez before, what he essentially is is this well-oiled machine of a pressure fighter who is more than likely, uh, Manny Pacquiao's side maybe, um, the best combination puncher of his era. Um, and one of the best combination punches I've ever seen when he gets in the full flow just absolutely fantastic um, doesn't really have the feet of a Pacquiao either to get in and out you know he has good feet great feet but he's not that elusive footwise work he's very good at slipping upper body pulling back left and right and then walking you on the shots and then continuing a salvo of punches that you just fought a second before he was not in position to get off just fantastic um, a bigger puncher at the lower weights. Um, he's still got clout at the higher weights. As anyone who saw him dismantle Kalyafai at 115 will attest to. Um, he's got veteran savvy and he's had it since he was a kid, essentially. Just a fantastic, as I say, well-oiled machine of a pressure fighter. Now, one of his best wins was one of his best fights. And it was at £108 when he beat Juan Francisco Estrada. Now... Going into the fight, first fight with Gonzalez, which is a modern classic in my opinion. Um, Estrada, he only lost one fight to Juan Carlos Sanchez Jr. And he'd avenged that fight. And Sanchez Jr. actually went on to win a world title himself. So it wasn't like Estrada just lost to some journeyman or, you know. This might surprise you, but the uh, domestic uh, Mexican scene, uh, the lower weight classes, is absolutely insanely competitive. So nothing wrong with that. But I, again, didn't know much about Estrada going into the first Gonzalez fight. And I was probably at my peak of boxing following at that point. What I was astounded by was how amazing that fight was. One of the best fights of the era and one of the greatest fights in the history of light flyweight. Now you might be thinking, how many great fights are there at light flyweight? Well, you may be surprised. There are fucking loads. It's one of the most action-packed and talent-stacked divisions that boxing has ever had. Because flyweight is historically the best and most stacked division that boxing's ever had. So when they split the divisions in the sort of late 70s um, and into the 80s with the inclusion of strawweight, which I actually think is a pretty barren division, how many people around there are like 5 foot and 105 pounds or can make 105 pounds? Not that many, even in like smaller parts of the world. Now, how many of them are going to be world-class boxers as well? See what I mean? Um, But yeah, you know, Estrada, he astounded me in that first fight with Gonzalez. And I thought, this guy is legit. If you watch that first fight, Estrada starts off strong. Um, lots of pivots, lots of movement. Uh, he's able to beat Gonzalez in the hand speed department and therefore he's able to beat him in the combination department. Gonzalez has to inch forward, get his timing down, work his right hand in and build up, build up, build up until eventually he's sort of battering Estrada with combinations. And actually, most of their fights, sorry, not most of their fights, their other two fights mostly follow that pattern of Estrada starting off strong Estrada does this thing where he either gets too confident as the fight's gone with Gonzalez and starts either crowning his own work or fighting him in close quarters or slows down a little bit and is able to maintain the sort of uh, fast and elusive style of the early bouts. Um, 
But yeah, that fight's fantastic from end to end. I still think it might be their best fight. Not 100% sure. It might be. But then Estrada moved straight up and beat uh, Brian Valoria for two flyweight titles. And just off new straight away, yes. Again, I was right about Estrada. It's not just Estrada competed with Gonzalez, so therefore he's always also world-class. Because Styles make fights. And I said earlier, Chango Vargas had a great fight with Gonzalez. And he was not elite. He was a really quality fighter in that around that time in, in, in lower weight classes. But, you know, he was not on Gonzalez's level and he gave him a, a tough fight. But Estrada had something about him. Now, Brian Valoria, you might look at his record now if you've never heard of him and go, this guy wasn't that good. He, he lost all the time. Um, Valoria was a real enigmatic fighter. Uh, quality amateur, uh, came into the pro ranks. He put forward these great runs and just capitulate terribly. And then put forward another great run and just fall apart terribly. And you go, this guy's completely unreliable. And then he put forward a run and you go, oh my God, this guy's one of the best fighters active in the sport. Um, and he was on probably the best run of his career when Estrada beat him. Uh, split decision, erroneous in my opinion. Clear Estrada win, always has been. And Estrada basically just from there on in um, cemented himself as one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the sport. Um, he beat an exhaustive list of fighters, including... I'm not going to go for all of them, but some of the ones I can think of the top of my head. Uh, Milan Marindo, uh, sorry, Milan Melindo, uh, Giovanni Seguro, who was also one of the best sort of pound-for-pound fighters at the time. Um, not when Estrada beat him because he'd lost to Valoria, which made his run that great. But, um, you know, as I say, Valoria, Melindo, Seguro, uh, Tyson Marquez as well, really good fighter. And the pinnacle of his career, the things that make him, like Gonzalez, a modern great. Trusquet saw Rangvazai and Roman Gonzalez. And now I'm going to talk about the real meat of what makes these fighters great. And it's because of their fights with each other. Three fights between Gonzalez and Estrada, which obviously this episode is going to focus on, but also two fights between Gonzalez and Trusquet saw Rangvazai and two fights between Estrada and saw Rangvazai. So, I'm going to talk about these fights, then we'll have a little break, and then we're going to talk about the fight from last night. So, Trish gets all wrong with Zai. What's interesting is, I actually picked him to beat Gonzalez the first time round. Um, my Facebook doesn't exist anymore, but it was all over there, probably on boxing forums too. Got nice odds, 15 to 2. Lots of my mates did. I said, look guys, this is a real tip. I thought Gonzalez looked, not shot against Quadras, but I've seen fighters look like that before. When they're, unable, when they're able to go forward, but unable to get out of the way of punches like they're used to. Srisket's wrong with was bigger. He was dangerous. If you want a real easy analogue for one which people will, will you know get their head around quite quickly, um Sorungvasai is the Hearns to Chocolatito's Duran. And yet the first fight, I speak about you know best fights of the era, best fights of the last decade, etc. And I spoke about Estrada versus Gonzalez one. Strisket Sorangzai versus Roman Gonzalez one might be the mm, might be the best fight of the 2010s. It's probably second in my opinion to Marquez and Pacquiao four. Absolutely just brilliant from start to finish. The storylines that came out in that fight as you're watching this great pound for pound fighter taking on what appears to be his boogeyman and the emergence of Strisket Sorangzai who'd long been. Uh, touted by a very small contingent of Western boxing fans um, as a top, top fighter himself in this gruelling, violent, end-to-end fight. Um, just absolutely breathtaking stuff. Um, I last did a list of the top 10 boxing matches of all time in 2013. 
Um, if you subscribe to the Patreon or are at all interested in, I've already announced this month the top 10 boxing matches of all time is coming to the Patreon. And I think those two fights I mentioned, Strisket Sorangasai versus Roman Gonzalez 1 and Pacquiao Marquez 4, I think, you know, out of all the fights that have happened in the last decade, they'll be the ones that are pushing for a space in the top 10. That's how great they are. But after that, you know, that fight was tit for tat. A lot of people thought Gonzalez deserved to win. I was obviously very happy that Sorangasai got the decision. But it's also interesting to talk about when that fight happened. Gonzalez, the first fight I can think of below, you know, you know, or at 115 pounds or below since the 90s, really, that got major traction on HBO and therefore became somewhat of a crossover star. They were pairing him with Gennady Golovkin, who was also breaking out as a, as a marquee attraction, as a great knockout puncher. And people really started to wake up to the fact that Gonzalez was one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world. And I saw a lot more people talking about him, whereas in the preceding sort of, you know, I don't know, whenever it was, eight years or so, no one really seemed to care outside of boxing forum aficionados. Um, no one cared about Estrada outside of boxing forum aficionados. I, I assume that in Mexico he has somewhat of a following, but he was never on a Barrera-Morales kind of level, or, or even Marquez. He wasn't fighting in one of those divisions that tends to get traction, you know, anywhere from sort of, featherweight to welterweight um, amongst the larger boxing contingent um, even with the advent of the internet and the advent of the internet you know the advent of the internet taking over sort of boxing uh, correspondence and coverage and, and boxing matches just being so much easier to get hold of Gonzalez and Estrada weren't household names but Gonzalez started to become one around the time of the Saul Rungwazai fight so the rematch was big news if I'm not if I'm not mistaken actually a headlined on HBO so the first one was the chief supporter Golovkin-Jacobs awful, tepid fight. And that's why everyone thought Gonzalez and Strisketzel Rungvazar was so great. The second one was headlining these HBO Superfly cards. We had now you're in a way, and you had Estrada beat Carlos Cuadras on the same card, setting up you know other fights. And Inoue obviously never got in the mix in the end at 115. He moved up the banner weight. Massive shame, massive blight on his career in my opinion. And one of the reasons I don't rate him amongst the top sort of three or four uh, best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world. I really don't. Um, I think he's fantastic. Love him. Followed him since he was an amateur. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is he missed out on the best contemporaries that he's ever shared uh, a space with. And the second fight was uh, headlining that card. I remember watching it live. I remember staying up watching it live and thinking, you know what? I thought Gonzalez was a bit past it against Carlos Quadras. It's Herculean an effort he put forth in the first fight with Sorungvazai. That's the kind of fight that is really the final nail in the coffin. And actually, um, if that was the final nail in the coffin, the rematch of Suskets Sorungvazai, where Gonzalez got absolutely battered, pulverised, sparked out, sparked out fully, knockout of the year style stuff, that was when he got buried 12 feet under. All right? He's never come back from that. Which is why him coming back. Winning a title at Superfly against Kaliaf Iowa, never rated, but still, I'm so impressed by that. Gonzalez was not brought in to win that fight, and he looked great against Yafai. Um, and he's looked great in his fights with Estrada. I've seen fighters come and go, you know, pretty good at sort of judging a fighter's career, sort of um, path and, and whatnot. And I was certain he was done. He'd had a long career already, especially for a smaller guy. Fighters don't tend to go on that, that long at the uh, smaller weight classes. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, I thought he was done. 
and he wasn't. And that's why this series with Estrada has been so great, because on the flip side, uh, for me, Stris gets all wrong because I was top three pound for pound after he beat Gonzalez twice. I, that first fight, people say it's a robbery. It's so close, it doesn't matter. It's not robbery. It doesn't matter. The fight's great. Second fight means it doesn't matter anyway. He fucking annihilated him um, in a way that just unbelievable. Uh, we haven't seen a fight, uh, pound for pound number one laid out like that since Pacquiao. Um, and the fact of the matter is, Estrada then lost the first fight with Strisket Saul Rungwazoi. Really close nip and tuck fight. Um, and then won the rematch with Strisket Saul Rungwazoi. Saul Rungwazoi kind of fell off a little bit between. But I think these three fighters, I'm talking about Gonzalez and Estrada, but actually those three fighters are sort of inextricably linked. Because, you know, between them they've had what? Three. Nine fights? Is that right? Nine fights between them? Three, four, five, no, seven fights. I can't count. I counted it in my head, but I still can't count. I can remember, you know, boxing matches from 100 years ago, but I can't count to seven. Um, Quadras 2. He's fought um, Gonzalez. He's fought Saul Rungvisai. And he's fought Estrada twice. So if you put all those together, what you got? Eleven? Eleven fights? Fucking hell. If Quadras was better, there would be the four kings of the modern era, but he's not, so they're not. But Estrada, with those two fights, with Stris gets wrong, so he then puts himself back on the sort of the top five pound-for-pound pound list, in my opinion. I always ranked him above anyway. Um, unfortunately, some of his Twitter accounts have been canned now, um, banned, that can't prove it, but I did. I always had him above anyway. And do you know what? As of today, I think I still have. Um, because this sort of back and forth between these three guys where they're sort of not trading pound for pound spots but one keeps one up in the other then the other one comes back and then you've got the fights between Gonzalez and Estrada they're just proving they're on this it's elite tier of level uh, Sorongo's eyes now burnt out completely fell apart as I say between the first and, and second Estrada fights he started I think he must have had problems making a weight he had personal problems um, with a, you know spurned by a, by a potential Wife, I think, and uh, she sort of fell on hard times, started getting knocked knocked about a bit by lesser fighters, and in the Estrada rematch came out with one of the more bizarre um, game plans to start off uh, in the opposite stance to he does usually, and uh, didn't know what he was doing. He's, Marvin Hagler, he was not, tied back into the Four Kings. But Estrada went on to win the title and proved himself a great super flyweight in his own right. Um, I actually podcasted on Estrada's um, last fight, earlier on in the year, against... Uh, Argy Cortez, which was a couple of months back, September, something like that, August. Um, in which I sort of said, like, you know, is he past his best or is he fighting to the, to the level of his opposition? Because, you know, he's in his 30s. They don't go on forever, these, these little guys. He's, what, 32, and I think Gonzalez is 35 now. So, at the end of the day, you know, I thought, ooh, starting to think that maybe after their second fight... And let's talk about their second fight first. Second fight was... One of the best fights of last year. Um, it was immense fun. Really close. Really debatable. I think a lot of people thought it was a robbery. I didn't think it was a robbery. Um, thought Gonzalez could have easily won it. Thought Estrada could have just nicked it. Um, probably just about favoured Gonzalez. I think when I scored it last, I had it to Estrada. I think when I scored it first, I had it to Estrada. And I think the second time I scored it to Gonzalez. And funny thing is, I'm going to go on heavy hands this week to talk about uh, Gonzalez and Estrada. And Connor and I actually recorded a commentary episode for the second fight between Gonzalez and Estrada and due to technical issues it never came out so oh well I guess we'll finally get to release our thoughts on the fighters um, to the general public uh, 
somewhat soon. So there's that to look forward to. But I thought that fight was fantastic. I didn't think it was their equal their first fight. I do think their first fight was maybe their best. Um, but before we talk about the, the third fight, and these guys are so well matched, you know, but before we talk about the third fight, I think it's interesting to sort of think about, as I say, Estrada seems to fight to the level of his opposition and then amps it up again. Because after the Saul Rungazai fight, actually, if you look at his, his sort of resume, um, apart from Gonzalez, hasn't really fought anyone good. That Beeman guy, awful, and, you know, no, it's not fair to say awful, but he was not on... Estrada's level in any way, shape or form. That was like a sort of keep busy fight. And he fought like the ghost of Carlos Quadras afterwards. And then obviously Gonzalez, he looked really good. And then against Argy Cortez again, like he didn't look that great. And it's kind of starting to think, you know, is Gonzalez past his best and making Quadras, um, Quadras, making Estrada look better? Is Estrada past his best? And, or, or is he just fighting to level with his opposition? And actually, if you see what he does in the third Gonzalez fight, it's pretty clear that Against fighters he doesn't consider on his level, he just sort of tanks the fight and just does what he wants and tries to knock him out, really. Um, and I said that in the Cortez fight. You know, Cortez really coming forward and making a good uh, good fist of it. And Estrada's just sort of spamming the same techniques, hoping to get him out there relatively easily and having a harder fight because of that. So he's fighting to level with opposition. But before we talk about the third fight, which was brilliant from last night, let's take a little break. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. After 12 rounds of action here in 
Australia gets the decision, majority decision, 114114, one card of 116112, which I don't agree with, and one of 115113, which is absolutely fine. Um, I think people will feel hard done by because Gonzalez had two really close fights with Estrada and not got anything out of either of them. But at the same time, if you watch their first fight back in the day, Estrada, some people felt he deserved to win that one. This fight was great about it. It's um, a little extra quirk. It follows much of the same pattern as their other fights. Um, what you've got was great about it. And I haven't really spoke about Estrada as a stylist. I spoke about his great career and his great resume and all his great achievements and how brilliant he was and how renowned he was as a pound-for-pound -pound operator. But what makes him such great fourth from Gonzalez is that he's faster of hand and feet. Um, and Gonzalez is so great at cutting the ring that they've got this kind of constant push and pull. And what Estrada's great at, um, and Gonzalez, as I say, he's just absolutely brilliant as a pressure fighter. Um, even as a boxer puncher type, really, at times, um, as a punch picker in that regard going forward. But Estrada's just more versatile. He's a bit taller. He's a bit faster of hand. He's a bit faster of feet. He can counter. He can stick and move. He can fight in close when he needs to as well. And that just makes him a really interesting opponent. They can throw a variety of different looks at Gonzalez, and that's why they've had such great fights. Gonzalez is consistently brilliant at what he does, and Estrada can do a little bit of everything. So he's a jack-of-all-trades master of none, really. And usually that would be uh, a slight on a fighter. But I really do think he's a great all-rounder, Estrada. Um, but what's great about this fight is, as I say, there's still these amazing exchanges and these moments where they're trying to get out of the way of each other and they can't. And the exchanges of both men is trying to walk each other on the shots, get out of the way. Um, these collisions that are taking place, just absolutely breathtaking. But what's great about this one is in the second fight, and as I said, in the first fight happened as well. But in the second fight, Gonzalez really finished strong and put forth an amazing 12th round. And this one, he put forth some great punches, probably the hardest punches of the round to the head with a couple of lovely sort of sort of shovel hook uppercut type things, left hand. Um, but Estrada was able to match him for output in that round, push him back, land some nice body shots and have and then get back on his bike, fire off a salvo of punches, able to have his own great 12th round. So... Even though I hope this isn't the end of the series, even if it is, what a way to end it with Estrada uh, putting his own stamp on the last round for probably the first time in the series. I think actually the main point about this series is what I want to get across. I spoke about both of their illustrious careers, all the great fights they've had, and obviously their, uh, between them, four battles with Srisket, Saul Rungwasai, who's like the third. Um, I'd put him third out of the three. Um, overall, uh, super flyweight, I'd probably put him, maybe put him second, but probably put Estrada uh, at number one uh, out of the out of the four. But you know, you could easily make an argument for out of the four, sorry, out of the three. But you could easily make an argument for Srisket or Rungvisai to be, you know, one of the top ranked super flyweights of all time. Same with Algaro Estrada. And it, depending on how you see these fight, depending on how you see the decision in the first fight with Saul Rungvisai. Or either these two fights at super fly super flyweight with Estrada, you could easily rank Roman Gonzalez as one of the great super flyweights of all time. Um, you really can. And I've someone who actually wrote 
load of articles on the greatest super flyweights of all time for Boxing Monthly um, a few years back. So, trust me, these guys are all right up there. All absolutely fantastic fighters. But what I'm trying to get across in this podcast in particular is that the scorecards really don't matter. And they really don't matter in the Gonzalez-Estrada trilogy because they were so closely matched, nip and tuck, tit for tat, whatever you want to say. The, the phrase I always use is two-way technicals. Three of the best two-way technical bouts of all time, certainly of their era, but in my opinion, of all time. Um, and the fact they've continued to hold my attention over the last decade, because that was, I think, the first fight was 2012, is just testament to how fantastic they are. So what I'm saying is to any Chocolatito fans out there that are disheartened that Gonzalez isn't the top of the world again today as the champion of the Super Flyweight division, take solace in the fact that scorecards don't really matter. I mean, anyone's really going to remember. Anyone who was there isn't going to remember or care about what the decision was. They're going to remember how great these fights were and how closely matched they were to the extent that the scorecards don't really matter. You can't really differentiate between these two. Gonzalez got a win uh, back in their sort of light flyweight primes. Estrada peaked a little bit later. And then he beat Gonzalez when he was probably a little bit past his best twice in two really close fights. And if they'd fought bang in the middle of both their primes at flyweight, we would have had a similarly close fight. Doesn't matter. These two are basically on the same level. Basically, you know, as great as each other. Gonzalez has got a bit more in terms of pound-for-pound pound achievements, a bit of a deeper resume. Uh, Estrada taking away the head-to-head head head in this one, so it doesn't really matter. Um, he's got the, the better record against Sriskets so or Rungvisoy at 1-1 one and one and beat him for the titles. But then you could say that Gonzalez won their first fight, so it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, Gonzalez is the only one of the two that's ever been stopped. But then he's got that amazing Phoenix from the Ashes run where, as I say, he just completely exceeded my expectations and completely dumbfounded me in terms of the way I see career arcs play out. That's a massive thing. Estrada now has been uh, champion like Gonzalez you know, for, over, for like the best part of a decade. Gonzalez has been you know, title ranked for like the best part of nearly 15 years or 14 years. This is just an amazing run for both men. At the lower weight classes, you really can't separate them in terms of class, in terms of skill, in terms of their matchups. So stop worrying about it. Just enjoy the fact that you got to see three great fights between two fantastic fighters. Um, in terms of Nicaraguan fighters, Gonzalez is, Gonzalez is clearly the second greatest of all time, behind his mentor and idol Alexis Arguello, who's one of the top you know, 35 greatest fighters of all time. Estrada, you could easily make a case as one of the 10 greatest Mexican fighters of all time. I think I would. Uh, is Estrada one of the top 100 fighters of all time? Pound for pound, you know? Yeah, I think he is. I think you could easily sneak him in. In the sort of 95 to 100 bracket. Or 90 to 100 bracket. Um, you might not have him in there. I could easily see him in there. If we're talking about one of the best super flyweights of all time. One of the greatest super flyweights of all time. Then he's got to be, right? even accounting for the fact that some divisions are stronger than others. So let's say, for example, and I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's what I like doing. The 10th greatest cruiserweight of all time is nowhere near as great as the 10th greatest super flyweight of all time. Super flyweight is just a deeper division, even though it hasn't been around that long historically. And Estrada, for me, is quite clearly a top three to five super flyweight of all time. Uh, and has a bit, you know, 
pound for pound credentials as well because he was a quality flyweight who had some good wins there. That's important. And a guy who competed with one of the best light flyweights of all time as well in Roman Gonzalez. Now, Gonzalez is, in my opinion, the second or third greatest uh, combined 105 and 108 fighter of all time. Um, what I do with that division, strawweight so weak, and anyone who was worth their salt at, at strawweight fought at 108. So I tend to combine those rankings. So I give you your achievements of both weight classes and amalgamate them into a, into one sort of super division. Um, I agree that one, one, no one else probably does it that way. It might not be popular. That's my way of doing it. And Gonzalez for me is either number two or number three. I've got Junku Chang at number one, and I've got Ricardo Lopez at either number two or number three. Um, you could easily have Gonzalez above Lopez. You could easily have him below. But consider Gonzalez as, as I say, 105, 108, 112, and now this great run at 115, in which really he's had four losses there. And apart from one of them, you could say arguably one, three of them. And the one he had is absolutely no shame in it whatsoever. And actually the one he had, the knockout, the devastating knockout to Sorangvasai, only made his return to the top that much more impressive, that much more spectacular. Roman Gonzalez is an all-time great, in my opinion. He's in the top 100 of all time, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you could easily make a case from you know top 60 to 75. Um, I've no doubt about it whatsoever. Um, just a fantastic, fantastic fighter who's just, I'm sure, looking at this fight, it's got more in the tank. I'd love to see them fight again. Um, maybe they need to have a fight, you know, either way um, beforehand. Um, what 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 I'd really like to see. Is Gonzalez return to Japan and fight Ioka uh, for the WBO, and then have um, Estrada uh, fight the WBA regular champion Josh Franco, who's, who's Bam Rodriguez's brother. Bam Rodriguez, I think, would be a great addition to this mix, but he's going back down the flyweight. I'd love to see that, um, or have Gonzalez fight Franco and have Estrada uh, unify against uh, Ioka. I think that would be. Fantastic, because then they both have something to bring the table um, for a fourth fight. Um, you could just do a fourth fight, and if they lose, there's nowhere to go. You know, Gonzalez lost three in a row, regardless of what I said earlier. You know, on paper, it says he lost three in a row. So I'd love for them to go and win another belt each, and then have another big fight, even bigger unification fight at Superfly away. It'd be absolutely incredible. Still got gas in the tank, these boys. Love to see them fight again. But as I say, for now, third fight, fantastic addition. To what's been a fantastic trilogy. Uh, I'd like to see that it seemed a bit more packed um, last night. It was a bit of a shame. When you watch rewatch the second fight, you see there's a lot of empty seats. Fucking Eddie Earn. Um, people seemed to turn out more for this one. Uh, but yeah, what a weird time it's been, you know. These guys become more prominent, getting on HBO, the Superfly weight, the Superfly series, um, all these things that suddenly thrust these uh, sort of uh, hipsters' favourites into the limelight. And so many more people now recognise uh, Chocolatito, especially as a modern great, but hopefully now Estrada. What I really hope, and one thing I really want to stress is that, regardless of what you think of the decisions, please don't take out an Estrada. Consummate professional, these guys get on well, they're both gentlemen of the ring. And Estrada, whether you think he's got uh, the benefit of the doubt too much in these two fights or not, is an absolute modern great. You know, I think... These fights have become too much about Gonzalez, and he's just one half of an incredible rivalry between modern greats. 
And that's all I'm going to talk about in this episode. So if you have wondered where I've been the last couple of weeks, well, head on over to www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. Often plug in the gaps on there. Um, there's more to talk about uh, big fights in the next couple of weeks as well. So I'm sure this uh, free podcast will be uh, on the, on this feed will be a bit more regular. And, you know, as we hurtle into December and near Christmas, we're coming towards the uh, 2022 uh, Combat Chronicles uh, end of year awards. I think that's how we... If I remember correctly, pretty much how we kicked off the podcast at the beginning of the year with the end of year awards for last year. Um, just like last year, not going to rush into it. Going to uh, wait for you know, the end of year Japanese card first because I think that's going to be quite important towards the end of the year rankings anyway. Um, so the Rising V uh, X Bellator card, which is going to be great. Uh, really looking forward to that because of the sort of fallouts in the next UFC pay-per-view. It's probably the MMA I'm most looking forward to now. But yeah. Going to be on heavy hands this week, and if you sign up to the Patreon, we've got a couple of things coming. Uh, already announced over there, uh, one of which is the aforementioned top 10 greatest boxing matches of all time. And Guide to Pride and Next Combat Chronicled are also um, you know, longer documentary-style episodes are still in production as well. But the uh, top 10 boxing matches of all time, that's what's coming next. And uh, yeah, head on over there if you want to see more stuff and hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR if you like my stuff or if you think it's shit and you want to call me a cunt, feel free to do that as well. Uh, Don't recommend it though. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, have a good one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.